Our God Keeps His Promises by Apostle Jacqueline Fedor In the last blast, we discussed the body of Satan and exposed this body as the Antichrist, dispelling the notion that it is one man. We also brought out, if you are not a part of the body of Christ, you are by association a part of the body of the Antichrist, a member of the body of Satan. As a member of Satan's body, the world and all it has to offer is yours. The currency, the world's knowledge, its religions and society, the governmental systems, its people for friends and companions are all yours. If you remember correctly, Satan offered the world and all its glory to Jesus if he would submit to him. Jesus did not dispute the claim it was Satan's to give because it truly does all belong to him. Luke chapter 4 verses 5 through 7 Then the devil, taking him up on a high mountain, showed him all the kingdoms of the world in a moment of time. And the devil said to him, All this authority I will give you and their glory, for this has been delivered to me, and I give it to whomever I wish. Therefore, if you will worship before me, all will be yours. Without depth of thought, the idea of owning the world may sound appetizing. I know it did to Eve. She bit into his offer. But if we look closer at the world, past its hype and lying promises, we will see the hunger, debt, sickness and pain, the wars, domestic fights, road rage, and senseless killings, etc. You will witness abuse to children, cruelty to animals, violence, and the crude, ugly language spewed out revealing the true nature of the one that owns them. They blindly go about their daily lives, thinking they are free, not bound to the laws of God, submitting to no one, and doing things their way. They, like Eve, are very, very fooled. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 4 whose minds the God of this age has blinded, who do not believe, too busy about their lives, money, sex, power, prominence. Lest the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine on them. Satan has made sure his world lives in a spiritual darkness. But a really wonderful thing has come about lately, prophesied thousands of years ago. Isaiah chapter 35 verse 5 Then the eyes of the blind shall be opened, spiritual eyes, and the ears of the deaf, spiritual ears, shall be unstopped. God's people will begin to see, hear, and understand how humanity has been deceived for thousands of years as their spiritual senses mature. As spiritual eyes begin to open, they see life in a whole new light. Tired of the world and what is happening in it, they begin to look at what God has for them and to wonder what life in His kingdom would be like. For sure, Father wants His people to come to Him and His kingdom. Luke chapter 12, verse 32. Do not fear, little flock, for it is your Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. In fact, there are wonderful promises that are about to be fulfilled in and for the heirs of God's kingdom. 
So let us look at how we can become one. John chapter 3, verse 3. Jesus answered and said to him, Most assuredly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. As descendants of Adam and wrapped up in the world, they formatted at Satan's design. They cannot enter the kingdom of God. Galatians chapter 3, verses 27 and 29 shows man how to change this. For as many of you as were baptized into Christ have put on Christ, and if you are Christ's, then you are Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. Is this not awesome? You see, God says He is the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, who He renamed Israel. Genesis chapter 32, verse 28. And He said, Your name shall no longer be called Jacob, but Israel, for you have struggled with God and with men, and have prevailed. However, since He loves all His people, He devised a plan for everyone to be given the opportunity and choice to become Israel. How can this be? Through baptism into Christ, who is a descendant of Abraham, to whom the original promises were made. You see, Isaac, the son of restored Abraham and the child of promise, fathered Jacob, or Israel. Therefore, Jesus, through his descendants, is the seed of Abraham. That makes us Israel through Jesus and heirs of the kingdom promises. All the covenant promises are ours that were made to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob when we die into the death of the Lord at baptism and resurrect a new creature into the life of Christ as Israel. Romans chapter 6 verse 4 explains, Therefore we were buried with him through baptism into death, that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in newness of life, or resurrect a new creature, one different than Adam's race. Galatians chapter 3 verse 16 Now to Abraham and his seed were the promises made. He does not say, and to seeds, as of many, but as of one, and to your seed, who is Christ, who was born through these special bloodlines. So again, the only way to be new Israel and an heir to the kingdom is to be baptized into the death of Jesus and resurrected to a new creature through his victorious resurrection. It is the only way. Romans chapter 9 verses 6 through 8 shows us we're not Israel through flesh and blood. But it is not that the word of God has taken no effect. Now here is the answer to why the promises have not been experienced or fulfilled by the Hebrews today. For they are not all Israel who are of Israel, nor are they all children because they are the seed of Abraham. But, this is important, in Isaac your seed shall be called. The bloodline of Jesus had to run back through Isaac for even him to be eligible to receive the promises to pass them on. That is, those who are the children of the flesh, these are not the children of God, but the children of the promise are counted as the seed. Pretty plain. So as we see, 
We're not just a spiritual Israel. We through rebirth are the new generation, a new species, different than Adam, the seeds of Abraham through Christ. We are therefore descendants of not only Abraham and Isaac, but Jacob and his twelve sons, which fathered the twelve tribes of Israel. Now let us look at another mystery and see how it evolves today. As we study Bible history, we see these tribes were lost in the nations. Since God had chosen the bloodlines of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, or Israel, as his own special people, Satan cleverly saw to it that they were assimilated into the nations that were owned, guided, and run by him. They were for the most part lost to the world, but not to God. He had made promises to the patriarchs, and we know God's word does not come back void. If he makes a promise or a covenant, it is destined to happen and guaranteed by his sovereignty. Isaiah chapter 55 verse 11 So shall my word be that goes forth from my mouth. It shall not return to me void, but it shall accomplish what I please, and it shall prosper in the thing for which I sent it. He has therefore kept track of the bloodlines and is today calling them home to his spiritual mountain, Zion, where these promises will be fulfilled. Romans chapter 11 verses 26 through 27. And so all Israel will be saved. As it is written, the Deliverer will come out of Zion and he will turn away ungodliness from Jacob. For this is my covenant with them when I take away their sins. They are coming to the light of God's end-time message on the run, and as they are born again, become God's beloved new Israel, no longer Adam's descendants that the enemy has jurisdiction over, but descendants of Abraham through the last Adam, Christ. Did God have a wonderful plan or what? Everyone has a chance to accept Jesus and not have to suffer in the choice Eve made any longer. We are seeing the promise in Genesis chapter 17 verse 7 being fulfilled. To Abraham he promised. Genesis chapter 17 and verses 4 and 7. As for me, behold, my covenant is with you, Abraham, and you shall be a father of many nations. Do you see how, by the bloodlines of Israel, being mixed throughout the earth among all people, and by God then calling them to be baptized into Jesus, and I will establish my covenant between me and you and your descendants after you and their generations. This is the born again today, for an everlasting covenant to be God to you and your descendants after you. In Genesis chapter 17, verse 21, he exposed his plan further. But my covenant I will establish with Isaac, whom Sarah shall bear to you at this set time next year. To Isaac, the Lord said, Genesis chapter 26, verses 2 through 4. Then the Lord appeared to him and said, Do not go down to Egypt, live in the land of which I shall tell you. Egypt represented the world at that time. Dwell in this land, and I will be with you and bless you. 
For to you and your descendants I give all these lands, and I will perform the oath which I swore to Abraham your father. He is the father of the children of the promise. And I will make your descendants multiply as the stars of heaven. I will give to your descendants all these lands, and in your seed all the nations of the earth shall be blessed. They will be called out of the world to gather as the house of the greater David, the house of Israel. The promises of God continued on through Jacob. Genesis chapter 28 verse 14 Also your descendants, the twelve tribes, shall be as the dust of the earth. You shall spread abroad to the west and the east, to the north and the south, and in you and in your seed all the families of the earth shall be blessed. Here we see how all are blessed by Jacob's blessed descendants, being scattered or dispersed across the earth. First Chronicles chapter 16 sums it up. First Chronicles chapter 16 verses 15 through 17. Remember his covenant forever, the word which he commanded for a thousand generations. Remember, his word does not come back void. The covenant which he made with Abraham and his oath to Isaac and confirmed it to Jacob for a statute. This is a spiritual law. To Israel for an everlasting covenant. It is for the seed of Abraham forever. To King David, the Lord promises continued. Second Samuel chapter 7 verse 16. And your house and your kingdom shall be established forever before you. Your throne shall be established forever. God will govern and guide his people through the house of David. To David's son Solomon, he said, 1 Kings chapter 9, verse 5, Then I will establish the throne of your kingdom over Israel forever, as I promised David your father, saying, You shall not fail to have a man on the throne of Israel. This carries over to the new earth, as it is forever. Does God keep his promises? Luke chapter 1, verses 32 through 33, shows us he surely does. He, Jesus, will be great and will be called the Son of the Highest, half God. And the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, half man through Mary. And he will reign over the house of Jacob. The enemy will not rule, nor man, but God alone. Forever and of his kingdom there will be no end. The house of Jacob, in other words, Israel, will in the end stand forever, strong and victorious in the Lord. Christ will govern through those he has called to the fivefold office, and everything will be influenced by God. What will this mean for humanity? Acts chapter 15, verses 16 through 17. After this, I will return as the Holy Spirit and will rebuild the tabernacle of David, which has fallen down. I will rebuild its ruins and I will set it up so that the rest of mankind may seek the Lord. God will once again guide through his government. Even all the Gentiles who are called by my name, says the Lord, who does all these things. 
1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 9 shows us another mystery. This temple is made up of people, his body. For we are God's fellow workers. You are God's field. You are God's building. The house of the greater David, Christ, the body that houses him. In Revelation, Apostle John reveals what it will be like when God's kingdom is in place. Revelation chapter 21, verses 3 and 4. And I heard a loud voice from heaven saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men. This is on earth, and he will dwell with them, and they shall be his people. God himself will be with them and be their God. The tabernacle, the throne of David, is reestablished. And God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There shall be no more death, nor sorrow, nor crying. There shall be no more pain. For the former things have passed away. The world vanishes along with time, leaving eternity in God's kingdom in place forever. So... If we are tired of the world and the lifestyle it inflicts on man, if we no longer believe the devil's lie and God's kingdom, his truth interests us, we will want to understand what we must do to become a citizen. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 50, again shows us our natural bloodlines sure won't gain us access. Now this I say, brethren, that flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, nor does corruption, our carnal bodies, inherit incorruption. Galatians chapter 5 verses 19 through 21 shows us why carnal man will not fit the kingdom of God. Now the works of the flesh are evident, which are adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lewdness, idolatry, sorcery, hatred, contentions, jealousies, outbursts of wrath, selfish ambitions, dissensions, heresies, envy, murders, drunkenness, revelries, and the like of which I tell you beforehand, just as I also told you in time past, that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. Pretty plain, isn't it? Unfortunately, as we look around the earth and see its different cultures, the splendor and grandeur of the world's religions, schools, architecture, etc., the above traits are still what you will see operating behind the scenes. If this is acceptable, and we're still enamored by the world's activities and people, James chapter 4 verse 4, adulterers and adulteresses, do you not know that friendship with the world is enmity with God? Whoever therefore wants to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. The world is not God's, so those that want the kingdom must be circumcised from the world. Apostle Peter speaks of the new earth where righteousness reigns, a place where harmony, order, perfection, joy, and peace shape the lives of its citizens. 2 Peter chapter 3, verses 12-13 through 13. 
looking for and hastening the coming of the day of God, because of which the heavens will be dissolved, being on fire, and the elements will melt with fervent heat. Nevertheless, we, according to his promise, look for the new heavens and a new earth, in which righteousness dwells. As we have seen, God keeps his promises. Isaiah chapter 61 verse 4 prophesied of the end-time people, those who will establish the new earth, and they shall rebuild the old ruins, they shall raise up the former desolations, and they shall repair the ruined cities, the desolations of many generations. Isaiah chapter 66 verse 22 goes on to speak about what is coming also. For as the new heavens and the new earth which I will make, shall remain before me, says the Lord. So shall your descendants and your name remain. The new Israel, the new species born through the seed of Abraham, which is Jesus, the Word of God. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 28. Therefore, since we are receiving a kingdom which cannot be shaken, mankind will never give in to the enemy again, as did Adam and Eve, let us have grace by which we may serve God acceptably with reverence and godly fear. All of creation waits for the children of God to appear on the scene that they too can be restored to perfection to dwell on the new earth. Romans chapter 8 verses 19 through 21 For the earnest expectation of the creation eagerly waits for the revealing of the sons of God. For the creation was subjected to futility, not willingly, but because of him who subjected it in hope. Because the creation itself also will be delivered from the bondage of corruption into the glorious liberty of the children of God. Here is what it means for the animals, for instance. Isaiah chapter 11, verses 6 through 9. The wolf also shall dwell with the lamb. The leopard shall lie down with the young goat, the calf and the young lion and the fatling together, and a little child shall lead them. The cow and the bear shall graze. Their young ones shall lie down together, and the lion shall eat straw like the ox, no more eating each other. The nursing child shall play by the cobra's hole, and the winged child shall put his hand in the viper's den. They shall not hurt nor destroy in all my holy mountain, for the earth shall be full of the knowledge of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. Won't it be wonderful when all the animals are friendly, no desire to hurt each other or us as it was in the garden? And did you ever wonder what the earth itself would look like restored? Its foliage, forests and grasslands, mountains, plains, even deserts without decay and mold? Remember, death will not be part of the new thing. What would we humans be like without bad memories, unsolvable problems, wars, or painful relationships? No more sickness, pain, or death, as God promises. What would life be like, fashioned by a loving God, a caring Father, a compassionate kind, sympathetic creator that knows each and every one of his creation intimately, personally, 
Luke chapter 12, verses 6 and 7. Are not five sparrows sold for two copper coins? Not worth much. And not one of them is forgotten before God. He loves all of his creation, from the least to the greatest. But the very hairs of your head are all numbered. Do not fear, therefore. You are of more value than many sparrows. He knows each and every one of us. Why is the kingdom of God so different from the world that the world must be banished from the earth? God's kingdom is guided by love, whereas Satan's kingdom is physically motivated by lust and pride. 1 John chapter 2, verse 16 For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life, is not of the Father, but is of the world. If you look closely, almost every activity in the world is based on lust or pride. So you see, there is an immense personal decision facing humanity today. Whose body do I choose to be a part of? Do I want the things of this world, all it has to offer, or the simplicity of love, joy, peace, and the perfect order and harmony of earth in God's kingdom in line with the rest of the universe? Right now, it looks like those that love the world is a much greater number than the body of Christ. Let Scripture inform us on what this really means. 1 John chapter 2, verse 18 Little children, it is the last hour, and as you have heard that the Antichrist is coming, even now many Antichrists have come, those in the body of Satan, by which we know that it is the last hour. So the masses that make up the body of Antichrist are evidence the end is near. So in closing, which will it be? the body of Christ, citizens of the kingdom of God, or Satan's body that loves the world. If we choose the body of Christ, then we must understand we cannot be accepted until we are no longer a part of Adam. We have to die either physically to live in paradise or die in baptism to be resurrected a new creature, a new creation then changed by God's knowledge, the Word, into a different species of mankind. We are not accepted any other way. Not bloodlines, nationality, affiliation with church groups, nor by gender, or even our good deeds. It is not about our connection with some great man or woman of God either. All is based on our own personal choice. It is about our disconnection from Adam, his mentor Satan, and the world and society they have built together, and instead being connected through rebirth to Christ, the last Adam, the seed of Abraham. That is what makes us heirs to God's kingdom. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 45 And so it is written, The first man, Adam, became a living being, one that was born to die, that was his legacy. The last Adam became a life-giving spirit, 
made rebirth of our spirits possible and eternal life. 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 3-5 through 5. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to His abundant mercy has begotten us again. Begotten means to bring a child into existence, to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Now we can resurrect in His resurrection to new life, to an inheritance incorruptible and undefiled, and that does not fade away, reserved in heaven for you. Our inheritance is sure. It is a promise of God, who are kept by the power of God through faith for salvation, ready to be revealed in the last time. This is the end-time new species of man that will establish the new earth. Now let us enjoy with our spiritual eyes wide open this exciting final scripture. 1 Corinthians chapter 15 verses 52 through 54. In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet, for the trumpet will sound and the dead will be raised incorruptible and we shall be changed. How awesome is this? For this corruptible, the body we add from our Adamic days, must put on incorruption. Our bodies will be restored. And this mortal must put on immortality. It makes your heart beat a little faster, doesn't it? So when this corruptible has put on incorruption, and this mortal has put on immortality, then shall be brought to pass the saying that is written, Death is swallowed up in victory. Remember the promises of God at Revelation chapter 21, verse 3. No more sickness, pain, sorrow, or death for those that choose His kingdom. Our God keeps His promises.